Please keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 11. We will just be dealing with verses 14 uh, through 20. Actually, I wrote that down wrong. (laughs) We'll be dealing with verses 21 through 26. And what we want to look at from verses 21 through 26 are not dependent on those earlier verses. Uh, This morning our theme is a wonderful theme, a child of Satan or a child of God. Which? That's what will be set before us in the scripture, and we'll pray for the Spirit of God to work in each of our hearts. Father, we bless you and praise you for your amazing grace. We thank you that when you come into our hearts and lives, There is revolution. There is transformation. We pray that you would keep us and keep anyone hearing this message today from a false conversion. We thank you for the wonderful miracles that take place when you invade a life. And for this we pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at these verses in chapter 11 of Luke, verse 21 through 26. And the first thing that we will see is an amazing picture or portrait, if you will, of a lost person, a person who does not know Jesus, uh, a person whose heart is the house of Satan. That's, that's a pretty strong word, is it not? But it's not the only time that we are given that reality. And this is a reality that many people just are not willing to accept. But if you're going to accept the word of God, you have to come to grips with what the word of God says. So, uh, for example, in Ephesians 2, verse 1 through and 3, a part of the description of the Ephesian Christians prior to their salvation was that the spirit of Satan was working in them. In Matthew 13, verse 36 through 43, Jesus giving the parable about the tares, and he said the tares are the children of the wicked one. In John 8, 44, The religious Christ-hating Jews were told by Jesus, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So the reality here is that every person here and everyone in the world is uh, a creation of God. God is your creator. We all have the same creator. But because of sin, until born again, every person spiritually is in the kingdom of darkness. Children of the wicked one. That's pretty serious business. And so, once a person is born again, that person is not only forgiven, but is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and no longer a slave Of Satan, no longer in Satan's kingdom. There's been a change of kingdoms. You are spiritually now a child of God. 
So lest each one of us be judgment uh, honest before God this morning, which kingdom am I in? Am I in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? You say, well, how can I know for sure? I know I prayed a prayer. I know I believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. The passage we dealt with last week in 1 John uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 8, for example. He that committeth sin, commits sin as a pattern, as a lifestyle, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, or appeared, that he might destroy the works of the devil. For whoever is born of God does not commit sin as a lifestyle. We went over all of this last week. Because his seed, God's seed, God's nature now dwells within him, he cannot sin as a lifestyle anymore. In this, verse 10, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. The two categories of people on the face of the earth. Two, two categories of people here today. The children of God and the children of the devil. And the children of God are no longer slaves to the devil. They no longer serve him. But notice in our text passage in Luke chapter 11, verse 21, that Satan is an armed strong man. And he has, a, he has a vested interest to keep his household in, in his kingdom. And I'm assuming that we all know his chief weapon. Uh, there's a lot of ways that Satan may work, but there's one way that he works above everything else. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And so he keeps his house by his chief weapon of being a deceiver. Going back in, or going forward to uh, John's gospel, uh, chapter 8 and verse 44. The scripture tells us there. We'll start with verse 43. Actually, no, I'm seeing, it's, yes, verse 44, John 8. You are, he's speaking to the Jews at this point. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks, he, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So his chief weapon is lying and deception. So the, as to the issue of being concerned about the state of your soul, Satan will work overtime to deceive you. Oh, it's too, you, it's too, you're too young to be concerned about that. It's too late. You're too bad. Uh, you're good enough, you don't need to worry about this. Or he may question the goodness of God, cast doubt upon God's word, uh, offer all manner of sin and say, take, 
eat. You won't die. This will make you wise. This will make you good. You'll have a good time. He's full of lies. In order to keep a heart as his home, Satan will take a person up on a high mountain. Tried that with Jesus, but it didn't work. But what he does is similar. He takes you up on a place where you can look. Look at what I can offer you. Pleasure. Position. Applause. The praise of the world. And you know what? If you renounce or reject his system, his slaves will attack you. That's the world we live in. And here's something else. Your flesh will scream. You'll be like Lot's wife. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Have we done that lately? He didn't say that about much, but he said, remember Lot's wife. So mercifully, she's being taken out of the city of destruction. Been clearly warned, don't look back. Her body was going out, not because she wanted to, but because she was sort of forced into it. She turned back because that's where her heart was. And there have been many people who started out making steps toward the Lord. They're reading the Bible or whatever. Their flesh starts screaming. You may have some habit. You know it's not of God. You know it's something that hinders your walk with God. Something that's destructive. But your flesh screams. And your flesh makes excuses. It's a time to cry out to the Lord. It's a time to bring along some brothers and sisters to help you to win that battle. Even as a, even as a Christian, God would, uh, Satan would, destroy, would like to destroy your testimony or destroy your effectiveness. So your flesh may scream. Your old friends may taunt you. Very often the religious ones will be your main enemies. Because they say, if you stay with us, we'll offer you advancement. And if you don't accept our advancement, we'll offer you torture. Read the stories of the martyrs. That's often the case. What's the point? Satan is an armed strong man. His chief weapon is deception, lies. He's watchful, again, verse 21, he is watchful to keep his souls. They'll even dress up as angels of light. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. Preachers in the pulpit, looking like, appearing like angels of light. And yet, in reality, preaching a different message from the word of God. Notice in verse 12 of Luke chapter 8, that when, a, when Satan detects a person who is hearing the word of God, he is diligent to try to steal it away. You say, but I believe in the sovereignty of God. I do too. I also believe that Jesus was telling the truth. And that none of his truth did not denies or cancels out any of the rest of his truth. In the spiritual war zone for the souls of men, Satan is a deceiver, a liar, and when someone starts hearing the word, listen to what Jesus said there in, in Luke 8, verse 12. Mark it down. Look it up. 
Satan comes along to try to steal the word away. You know what we should get from that? I should not be a careless hearer of the word of God. Already a Christian. Don't be a careless hearer of the word of God. I have no idea what I missed. But way back, I was still at Hartsville. This has been in the early 70s. W.A. Criswell was preaching to 1,500 pastors in Nashville, and I was among them. And his message was right, the last message before lunch. Have you ever been in a room with 1,500 pastors and lunch came along? You better be careful. You, you'll get stomped on the way out. Everybody wants to get to the restaurant first. I just remember that God really spoke to my heart in that message, and I knew I needed to linger. If I got left behind, it didn't matter. But you know what happened? I went with the flow, and I lost whatever it was that God had for me in that moment. There's a thousand things in our time and in our experience where God is speaking in, or you may be uh, hearing the word of the Lord, not just reading it, but hearing, or you may in, be, be in the middle of earnestly praying about something and the phone rings or whatever. Be careful of carelessly hearing the word of God. Satan is crafty. He'll invite you to churches that will promise you heaven without you ever having to repent of your sin. You can keep your sin and have Jesus too. What shall be the end of that? Well, James 4.4 4 says, Friendship with the world is hatred with God. Whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It's amazing how clear the word of God is. I was sharing a portion of God's word with someone recently. And all I was doing was just sharing the word of God. And this person said, you're hard. Me? All of y'all know I'm a pushover. God's word is plain and to the point. All I had done was told uh, this couple that they could either repent or go to church and take their name off the road. You're dealing with eternity. You're dealing with God. So am I. It's not a time to play games. Satan offers pleasure, possessions, position, popularity. He doesn't tell you about the cost. Oh, what extremes men will go to when controlled by sin and Satan. Someone made a statement. It, it's something to write down and think about often. They run hard whom the devil drives. People driven for money, driven for, possess for positions. I was thinking about this and I had a memory of long ago. I was still at Hartsville and a church in Fayetteville, Tennessee, was talking to me about becoming their pastor. And they were really interested because they had a bus ministry. And they had learned of me and learned that I had had experience in ministering in a church with a bus ministry. Well, all of a sudden I get a phone call from 
the director of missions over that association of churches. And he begins to tell me all these things that he's heard or that someone has told the church and he's, he's doing an investigation for them that I'm supposed to have done this and this and this and I believe this and don't believe that and this and this and this. A bunch of junk, a bunch of lies. And this man was very honest with me. He said, I'll tell you who, who did this. A pastor from an adjoining town, and I happen to know that he wants to be the pastor at the church in Fayetteville. So his desire for a position, he's willing to lie and cheat and slander someone else in order to get it. They run hard whom the devil drives. The things that money buys, people sell their souls for. Pornography. Saw the headline today, uh, this early this week, of a pastor of a large church, longtime pastor of a large church, now going to be in prison, had stolen over a, a number of years nine hundred thousand dollars from the ministry of the church. Satan is no respecter of persons. We know the story. Sin will take you and Satan will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. Satan has many martyrs, men and women and teens who lose their lives in his kingdom. Prostitution, the drunkard, the adulterer, the drug addict, the rebel. He's run away from home, so he's living with his grandparents. He's kicked out of the Christian school. The laws of centrifugal force and other things don't matter to him, and the laws of the land don't matter, and so he's pretty well got it on the bottom as he's traveling to come to our gymnasium on a Friday night. He can't make the 90-degree turn. He's killed. 17 years old. Sin and Satan have many martyrs. The successful ones who sell their souls to win this world's prizes. They never intended for that to happen. I've got my anger under control. I can handle it. A little compromise, a little love of money, a little refusal of parents to give godly example Godly teaching, biblical training, biblical discipline, godly love. We don't have time for all that. And so, thousands if not millions in America have taken their children to the doctors and have, been, have had their children prescribed with mind-altering drugs, perfectly legal, but destroys lives. They bypass biblical child training, but oh, the cost with people's minds messed up.
Look at verse 21 again. There's another strange twist here. Satan keeps his goods at peace. Have you thought about how much at peace many people who are slaves to Satan are? Have you thought about how peaceful you could be and how after pushing away the conviction of the Holy Spirit, even as a Christian, you suddenly are at peace, you've made peace with sin, a false peace. Not disturbed by the wrath of God. Blind to reality. And many times this can just be created by all the good things that we crowd into our lives and we have no time for God. We fill the schedule of our children and they have no time for God and we have no time to help them to learn the ways of God. That's a Sunday school teacher's responsibility. Really? A lot of false peace comes from the false assurance of false prophets who, if you'll make a note and look up in your own Bible, Second Peter chapter 2, the first three verses, they make merchandise of your souls. Now there's something else here in, in, in verse tw- 23 that uh, Luke... 11 that is also interesting. Jesus says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. There is no place for neutrality. No place for neutrality. In the war against Satan and his kingdom, every person who does not side with Jesus is against Jesus. I'm making some decision. I'm making some choice. My decision, my choice, even as a believer, I'm making a decision. Is it either for Jesus or it's against Jesus? Well, I don't like to put it in that such clear, distinctive differentiations. I think that there's a lot of other options that really don't have anything to do with Jesus. You're dreaming. You're hoping. Because you want to justify feeding your flesh, feeding your flesh. We, we want ease. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want any embarrassment. We don't want any separation from our friends. We want to keep at peace with both sides. We want to be happy with the whole world. Churches go overtime in how to be at peace with an ungodly world. Impossibility. The impossibility of neutrality. Can you imagine Joe, um, Noah being at peace with his society? Here he was building an ark, preaching righteousness. That was his life calling. He was being fulfilled. He was in the world, but not of it. As I've said many times before, he was the most irrelevant person on the planet. He's not, he doesn't get it. Or did he? He understood the impossibility of neutrality. Then when you get to verse 24 through 26, we see the peril 
of a false conversion. Notice that the demon of his own choice in verse 24 goes out of the man. He's not forced out. There's no indication of conflict. And in verse 25 and 26, he returns by his own choice with reinforcements. Now, why would the devil leave freely? Maybe here's a man or a young person here in the gospel making steps toward Jesus. And the demon goes into hiding lest he be driven out. Here's a man going through all the right steps. He's beginning to do Christian things. But he doesn't have any conviction of sin. He's never pierced in his heart with I crucified Christ. He never repents. He's never slain by God's law. He's never brought to see that his righteousness is as filthy rags. He's never been yoked to Jesus. But he believes a lot of good stuff. Might teach Sunday school, might preach. But the strong man is never bound. He just takes a vacation. So now the deceived soul says, Sure, I'm saved. I'm a preacher. I preach wonderful things. I cast out demons. I've done wonderful works. And not a few, but many, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. How could you be so deceived? There are a lot of false prophets around who say, I... You're saved. I was there. You prayed the prayer. I heard you. I know you're saved. Run from any preacher who plays God and the Holy Spirit. And tells you about yourself what only you and God and it may just be God knows. People who deceive belong to the right denomination. I belong to the true church. I shook the preacher's hand. I prayed through at the mourner's bench. That's the only place you can get saved. I was baptized at the right church with the right formula. But no spiritual desires. No passion to be like Christ. No, no following Jesus. No chastening by Jesus. No Acts 2 conversion experience when they were converted they repented and they were seated at the feet of Jesus and and with the disciples they were uh, continuing in fellowship and breaking bread and prayers and, and studying the Bible and none of that now notice what happens in Luke 11 verse 24 look at it carefully the demon returns to whose house the demon returns to his house. It never ceased to be his house. And he finds it, verse 25, he finds the house empty. 
If the house had been occupied by a new owner, by a new owner by the name of Jesus Christ, the demon could not get entrance. Is Christ here? Oh no. The house is empty. Just like I left it. And so the demon enters again, but brings seven more. And his latter state is worse than before. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. You want to find someone who is hard and and antagonistic toward Christianity? You just find someone who used to be a Christian used to be a preacher or used to be a Christian or used to attend church. Many of them are full of venom and full of all kinds of demonic forces. We're not playing games. God isn't playing games. Satan is not playing games. Many a house has been swept of loose dirt Got a picture of Jesus on the wall, quote unquote. A Bible on the table, but the filth of sin is still ingrained. The old habits are still there. The old idols are still enthroned. Swept, tidied up, but no transformation, no new ownership. That's where a lot of people are. This is the explanation to why millions of people have their names on church rolls, and it means nothing. In true salvation, that would be cleansing by the blood of Christ and indwelling by the Holy Spirit, and you'll never be the same. You may not yet, and you are not yet all that you're going to be, but you certainly are no longer who and what you used to be. Transformed by the grace of God. As you look there in verse 22 of this passage. But when the stronger than the strong shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him his armor, all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. Jesus is the stronger than the strong. You're not and I'm not. He is. He comes to save, and when he comes to save, he comes to conquer. Jesus offers no salvation with you being conquered and set free from Satan as an option. Jesus takes his own possession, and the demon spoils. The man who was previously numbered as one of Satan's kingdom. Jesus takes, he indwells him, and he divides him out. He distributes him to the world in glorious liberty. He's a new person. He's set free. Remember there was a guy, demon-possessed? Now he's set free. He's at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And he wants to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, I've got somewhere I want you to go. I want you to go back to your people and tell them what great things God has done for you. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, They know me. I'd be ashamed to go back there. 
Now that you're free, you'd be ashamed. There are a lot of people who want to find churches where they can hide and nobody knows their past because, frankly, they have not been set free from their past. But when you've been set free from your past, hallelujah, I'm going to tell you all the gory details, but hallelujah, I want to tell you what God did for me. I'd be ashamed for you to know that. Really. Even as a Christian. I mean, I, I didn't take any joy on the occasions when I've stood before you and said, that was a day when I kicked the stove with my foot and cursed like a sailor. And it wasn't pre-conversion. When I was the earlier days of being pastor here. And I'm not above it now. I don't make that a habit. I don't know what you would do when you get shocked with electricity, but that's what I did. The electricity revealed something about me. When you shocked me, oh, we found what came out. It wasn't Jesus. Did I want to come to this church and confess that? I didn't, that happened on a Friday night. I saw Brother Henry McKnight on Saturday at Carlew's. Oh, Brother Bell, what are you doing here? Well, I'm just here to get a thermostat for the stove. Can I help you? Oh, everything's under control, Brother Henry. Then I walk into the Sunday school room back here, and I find the backest back corner there was, and the teacher had the audacity to open his Bible to 1 John 1, 9. If we'll confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us. Oh, gee, what a day for that. And then he turned to James. If we'll confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed. And I can't tell you that I was jumping up and down with joy. I don't know what happened other than that God in his mercy suddenly had me telling what happened on Friday night and asking for prayer. And then coming out to the congregation and confessing and asking for prayer. And by the grace of God, I've used that story with many people that I counsel with because they're sitting there and thinking, well, he's a preacher. He doesn't ever, he doesn't ever sin. He doesn't have any idea of what I'm going through. And after I tell them my story, they say, he's as bad as I am. <laughs> Sinners saved by grace. You don't glory in your past failures. But it becomes a part of your life testimony of grace greater than sin. Well, I want to hide. Stop hiding. That's not from God. The life-changing power of true conversion. Except Satan and his demons be bound and overcome and cast out and Jesus come in, person remains lost. True salvation sets you free. Causes you to sit at the feet of Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, indwelt by his Holy Spirit. Your mind is set free. You're enabled to go forth to the place where you've past failed him and tell what great things God has done for you. The woman at the well. Oh, gee, the last thing I want to go back to is my hound. The people know that I've had five husbands, the man I'm living with is not my husband. 
Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Have you been set free from the strong man? If not, flee to Christ. By the grace of God, can you say this morning, by the grace of God, I'm set free, I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and my heart is Christ's home. And this week I'll covenant to sit at the feet of Jesus. This week I'll covenant to publish what great things God has done. This week I'll covenant to deal with those things where I have given Satan a stronghold. Habits. Whatever. Cut that thing off, television. Put some guards on your cell phone. Do whatever you need to do. Be done with sin. Jesus has come to set you free. And having been set free as a child of God, by the grace of God, you're on a lifetime journey of experiencing more and more of dealing with your sin and winning the battles over Satan and looking into the face of Jesus and following him. But some of you, you've never come to Christ. Flee to him. Come, you sinners, poor and needy. We're going to sing that in a moment. If by the grace of God you're a Christian, come, ye saints, who still sometimes sin. Good application in that hymn for all of us. Those outside of Christ. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. Our Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon our minds and hearts that we would truly hear the word of the Lord today. We thank you for the wonderful freedom that we receive in Christ and that gets better day by day as we follow him and as we walk in his steps. We pray for those who are blinded by the lies and deceptions of Satan. This be a day of being set free. We pray for that Christian that is allowing sin and Satan to have a stronghold. And we pray that there would be a mighty warfare and no excuse, no provision for any sin in our lives. And we bless you and praise you that you are at work. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.